Now, was that line, oh, a tree in motion? No, no, poetry in motion. Well, on today's edition of Kendrew's Real Dirt, we have a star-studded list of guests. We have the Honorable Michael R. Bloomberg, mayor of the city of New York, actor Sigourney Weaver, and supporter of gardens in New York City and of nature. And we're going to hear from Litchfield County garden designer Amy Ziffer. Stay with us. Clem Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Hello again, and welcome to Kendrew's Real Dirt. I'm your host, Kendrew's. Now, the mayor of the city of New York is not going to be here with me. Uh, and Sigourney Weaver is not going to be here either. Unfortunately, she just couldn't make it. But I had a great opportunity last week on April 29th going to a preview, a special preview of the show at the New York Botanical Garden, which I'm going to tell you about in a second. But I wanted to also tell you that uh, the show today is in two parts. We're going to have uh, some recordings from that event and also an interview in the second half of the show with garden designer Amy Ziffer. So please stay tuned for that. Now, it's not widely known that the great American poet Emily Dickinson, who was born in 1830 and died in 1886, was a practice gardener before she became an accomplished poet. And during her lifetime, she was actually known better or more for her gardening expertise for horticulture than she was as a poet. But this was a time when horticulture was considered a, a more than proper avocation, hobby, interest for young ladies, because there wasn't any, any danger of witnessing animal husbandry. So young ladies were encouraged to go out into the garden, go out into the field, look at the flowers, have perhaps a magnifying glass, draw flowers, press flowers. And at an exhibition that's ongoing at the New York Botanical Garden in the Bronx, New York, right now, and you can go to nybg.org to learn more about that, there are going to be some of samples of some of the 400 specimen herbarium specimens that were collected and pressed by into an album by Emily Dickinson. So we can learn a lot more about her and a lot more about how she felt about nature and how she felt about growing things. And throughout the garden, there are some 30 poems that have been mounted on boards, and they are in front of the plants that are mentioned in the poems or uh, relate to the poems. And you can walk through the gardens, through the perennial borders, through the ladies' border, and the Enid Hout Conservatory to see a special flower show with many of Emily Dickinson's favorite plants forced into perfect bloom, and that's going on through June. So be sure to check that out and uh, visit the gardens if you can. And also, I hope you enjoy hearing a little bit about the the day that I had at the New York Botanical Garden uh, when I went to this special preview event, and then stay tuned afterwards for my interview with Amy Ziffer, Litchfield County, Connecticut, garden designer. The 29th of April was Poem in Your Pocket Day, and that's something that began in New York City, but now it's practiced all around the country, and people walk around for that day with a poem in their pocket. 
a poem that they might want to share with friends or a poem that just means something special to them. And that's a great way, another great way of supporting and promoting the arts in New York. And it also was the kickoff day for a special exhibit at the New York Botanical Garden. From April 30th to June 13th this year, the New York Botanical Garden will be transformed into a poetry garden as venues throughout its historic landscape become linked visually and thematically by one of America's most enduring poetic voices, Emily Dickinson. The exhibition, Emily Dickinson's Garden, The Poetry of Flowers, co-presented with the Poetry Society of America, will demonstrate the Botanical Garden's innovative approach to garden-wide displays that merge the arts and the natural world to produce stunning and thought-provoking results. And on the 29th of April, I had the great opportunity to have a preview of the show, which took place in the Enid Haupt Conservatory and in the Perennial Garden and in the Ladies' Walk Garden, all planted with flowers that Emily Dickinson grew in her Amherst, Massachusetts garden. And also to listen to some stellar contributors, including Gregory Long, the president of the garden, Sigourney Weaver, one of our favorite stars, and a great supporter of the New York Botanical Garden, and also his honor, the mayor of New York. And I'd like to share some of what I heard on the 29th of April, beginning with president of the garden, Gregory Long. Uh, today is the eighth annual uh, Poem in Your Pocket Day in New York City. This wonderful idea was created by the Department of Cultural Affairs and the Mayor's Office. And it's, the fun of it, as you know, is to carry around your favorite poem in your pocket all day long, which I hope everyone here is doing, so that you can read it to your friends and share it with everyone you, you encounter. Uh, today, I hope that many of you have brought your favorite Emily Dickinson poem, of course. Um, as everyone knows, uh, today we are also celebrating the opening of Emily Dickinson's garden, The Poetry of Flowers. Emily Dickinson was born in 1830 into an Amherst, Massachusetts family passionate about plants. In a day when advanced education was uncommon for girls, Emily was very educated. She attended the Amherst Academy and went on later to the Mount Holyoke Female Seminary. Uh, nowadays, of course, she's among the most beloved of American poets, but during her lifetime, Emily was actually better known as an accomplished and inventive gardener. And she was particularly interested in the study of botany, both as a schoolgirl and later. At just the age of 14, actually, Emily collected and pressed and put into a formal herbarium more than 400 plant specimens. She identified them all with their Latin names and knew them all very well. And that herbarium is on view today and for the next few weeks as part of this exhibition in the uh, exhibition room of the Mertz Library across the garden. And then we were treated to words from Mayor Michael Bloomberg. It is a beautiful day at the New York Botanical Garden, one of the city's truly special places. This really is. Every year, some three quarters of a million people, including 100,000 children, visit this beautiful oasis in the heart of this bustling borough. Now, look around and you can see that the garden is starting to blossom. But I think what makes today even more special is, as Gregory talked about, the kicking off of a new exhibit, an exhibit inspired by the poet Emily Dickinson, the so-called Belle of Amherst. Now, the timing of today's open couldn't, opening couldn't be more perfect because of the poem In Your Pocket Day. Poem In Your Pocket Day has gone national. 
And so all month long, we've been encouraging New Yorkers to carry poems in their pockets today. This is the big day. I'll stick to what I'm good at and leave the artistry to others like our next speaker. A great New Yorker, an acclaimed actress, and a big supporter of the New York Botanical Garden. Some of you saw her in the movie Avatar, but she looks even better, I think, without the 3D glasses. The one and only Sigourney Weaver. It's such a joy to be here. And um, as the mayor said, I played Dr. Grace Augustine in Avatar, who was a botanist. Grace could not study botany, could not study plants on Earth because there was nothing green left on Earth to study. So it gives me great joy to be here in what is truly one of the great jewels of our country at the New York Botanical Garden participating in this wonderful day. It's a great pleasure for me to be part of welcoming all of you uh, here to the New York Botanical Garden to celebrate Poem in Your Pocket Day and announce the opening of the Botanical Garden's exciting new exhibit, Emily Dickinson, The, the Poetry of Flowers, which I've just walked through. And honestly, it is just amazing what they've done. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Uh, it's on from April 30th to June 13th. So bring your family and your friends. Come back again and again. It's co-presented with the Poetry Society of America. And uh, it will illuminate Dickinson's life and work, the connections that exist between her life and poems, and her study and love of flowers and gardens. You know that Dickinson was actually better known during her lifetime by her family and friends as an avid gardener rather than as a great poet. But this exhibit includes a stunning flower show in the Enid A. Haupt Conservatory featuring a, a recreation of Dickinson's own mid-19th century New England flower garden. And on display are all of Dickinson's favorite plants and flowers. Um, and there's a poetry walk set throughout the landscape with over 30 poetry boards <clears throat> and audio messages featuring interpretations by leading Dickinson experts. And that will take visitors through some of the botanical gardens collections at the peak of our spring flowering season. And some closing words from the president of NYBG, Gregory Long. Uh, I work for the people who made this beautiful show in the conservatory who grew all of those plants, five or 8,000 plants, forced them, held them back, made them all flower all at once. Uh, for the wonderful people who run our great library, who made the exhibition in the library, and for the wonderful people in our public programs who created the poetry walk around, around the garden. Uh, in closing, I think it's important to stop and remember why the New York Botanical Garden is doing a project such as this. Why does an Emily Dickinson exhibition belong here in this garden? Uh, first, because we're advocates for the plant kingdom, and because we're an educational institution above all because we're always striving to relate horticulture and plant science to arts and the humanities, to all aspects, in fact, of human creativity, and because we're a refuge for New Yorkers wanting to be reminded of the beauty and power of nature. Thanks again very, very much to Mayor Bloomberg for coming this morning. We're very honored that you came to celebrate Poem in the Pocket Day, and also to Sigourney Weaver, our very special guest. I really did enjoy seeing the different garden displays uh, for the special grand opening of Emily Dickinson's garden, The Poetry of Flowers. It's the most comprehensive and multifaceted exhibition about Emily Dickinson's life, gardens, and poetry ever mounted in the United States. 
and that's going to run through June 13th. And I especially have to get back over there because I want to see the the different things that are in the uh, library on display, different pressed flowers that Emily Dickinson pressed and things from her, her own possessions, her notebooks, and oh, well, I guess I'll find out when I get there. Well, stay tuned for the next part of the show when we have garden designer Amy Ziffer as my guest. She's a Litchfield County, Connecticut garden designer, and she's going to tell me about soil. I need to know about soil for perennials. Stay with us. Clem's Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Hello again, and thank you for staying with us. It's Ken Drews, and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, The Garden Show. And in our first segment, we were at the New York Botanical Garden, and uh, thanks to them, we got some audio from their special preview event when we heard from Gregory Long, president and CEO of the New York Botanical Garden, and Mayor Michael R. Bloomberg, his honor, and also the actor Sigourney Weaver, who was, of course, well, she was tied for first place with the beautiful flowers, uh, as far as being the stunning attraction, I have to say. And the mayor was very funny. I was surprised. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you don't think about it. You see those sound bites on TV, and they're usually pretty dour and dire. Uh, but he he cracked some pretty good jokes there. And it was, a, it was a great event in the show, which runs through June 13th on Emily Dickinson, Emily Dickinson's Garden, uh, which has her poetry throughout the New York Botanical Garden. Uh, was, well, just wonderful. What, what better thing can you see in the beginning of May? So I encourage you to go if you can. And in this segment, we're going to visit with garden designer uh, Amy Ziffer from Litchfield County, Connecticut, and Amy's going to tell me about so a little bit about her work, her clients, but also about a special garden that she did in Sherman, Connecticut, which I'm very interested in because the plants there are, the the perennials are zoftic. There's almost no other way to say it. They're big and juicy and gorgeous, and I know why. And you're going to find out why, too, when you listen to my interview with Amy Ziffer. I'm speaking with Amy Ziffer who has been nicknamed the Shady Lady, and Amy is a garden designer in Sherman, Connecticut. Amy, where is Sherman, Connecticut? Sherman's in the far western part of the state. We're right on the New York state line, about halfway between Long Island Sound and Massachusetts. Well, you got my attention. For One of the reasons you got my attention is the garden that you made in town in Sherman itself. But Sherman is a, a, a very small town, as you were telling me. Yeah, about 4,000 people. So tell me a little bit of, of the story of how you ended up making a garden in town. Um, well, I started my garden design business in 1998, and about uh, two years later, I was approached one day by the owner of a little grocery store in Sherman, there it was a plot of ground next to his store, and somebody had been keeping a vegetable garden there. I don't even know the full story of it myself, but that person wasn't going to be doing it anymore. 
So there was a space about 25 by 50 feet that had been disturbed, and um, he didn't want it to become a weed-filled eyesore. So he asked me if I would be interested in putting a garden in there, and I saw it as kind of a win-win situation. You know, he would solve his problem, and it could also be um, an experimental and display garden for me, and I've used it that way. I often put plants in there before I try them at clients' properties because I don't like putting um, plants in for clients if I haven't tried them myself first. Well, so had, had somebody prepared the ground for vegetables? Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had. I have to admit that I had a really easy time. <laughs> um, it had been. First of all, this is a lot of the land in town is old agricultural land. Um, I don't know for a fact that this what's now the com- the little commercial zone in Sherman was once a farm, but I sure think it was. <laughs> mm. So um, you know, all of the the rocks for which we are justly famous in Connecticut had largely been removed from the soil. It was relatively flat. Uh, you know, land, very easy to work on. And whoever had been doing the vegetable garden had brought in tons and tons of aged horse manure over the years. Wow. So the soil was beautiful. And when I took it over, I weeded and then I brought in another foot, 12 inches, of aged horse manure to cover the whole space and dug that into the ground. So that soil has been amended for many, many years <laughs> extensively. It's beautiful, beautiful soil. How large is the garden? It's about 25 by 50. It has kind of a, an irregular shape, but if you were to square off the corners, you'd get a space about 25 feet by 50 feet. Well, I've seen pictures of this garden, I think, on your website, amyziffer.com, and it's it's so lush and so beautiful that I thought there's a secret here. There's something that you can share with listeners and you just did, which is prepare the soil, 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 soil. That is true. The first few years um, that I had that garden, the most the question I was asked most frequently by people is, why are your plants so much bigger than mine? Yeah. <laughs> they would say, I have the same plant in my garden, but, you know, it's three feet shorter or something like that. And I told them all the same thing. It's, it's you know, the soil is, is beautiful. And it wasn't just my effort, you know, as I already said, but it, it really pays off if you, if you were to make that effort uh, in your own garden. Um, you'd get the same results. Well, uh, I know that you make gardens for clients, and uh, <laughs> perhaps you initially thought you were going to make shade gardens, and maybe that's how the nickname The Shady Lady came about. But uh, you make all different kinds of gardens as I understand, and even do ponds for people. And tell me a little bit about the different gardens that you're doing for clients. There are all kinds of different gardens. Last year I put in a, a new foundation planting around a house that had been rebuilt. This was a, an old farmhouse that was essentially torn down to the ground. So everything, all the vegetation around it, except for one or two major trees, um, was removed. And then we completely redid the foundation planting. Um, on the same property, I've put in a perennial garden. They also have a vegetable garden. Um, other people have, um, you know, similar gardens, just a difference in scale or the topography of the land is different. But, it, you know, gardens um, in this area at least tend to, to tend to go in certain categories. You have your foundation plantings, you have your perennial gardens. Not a lot of people have really just woody borders, shrub borders, but occasionally um, I'll have uh, something like that to, to either design or care for. And then a few people keep vegetable gardens. 
although a lot of my clients are weekenders, and, and eventually a lot of them come to the realization that they're growing those $64 tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that you like to personalize the gardens for your different clients. Well, you know, very often when um, clients ask me to design a garden, um, they're asking me to, to make a lot of choices. And I'm trying to make choices that I think the client will find attractive um, and that will lower the maintenance load. And I'm considering a lot of factors. Um, but I don't really know, unless I've worked with the client for many years and I've really gotten to know their taste, I don't necessarily know that they're going to like the choices that I make. And there might be other choices that would be equally good, but that the client would prefer. So I'll always ask them the obvious questions. You know, are there certain plants you really like? Are there certain plants you really dislike? Certain colors? What kind of effects do you want in this area or that area? Um, but then I, I try to get them to add something to the garden themselves. And often that takes the form of some kind of garden ornament. Um, sometimes they already have something that... Um, that they really like, and they're just looking for a space for it to go, and you can design a space so that it showcases that item. And other times, um, you'll get a space that just sort of begs for something to go in a certain space. Can people go and see the garden in Sherman? What, what's the address of the garden? Um, oh, boy, well, it doesn't actually have, you know, a street address. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it probably does. <laughs> <laughs> What's next door? The grocery store, <laughs> which is the Sherman IGA market. <laughs> and then there's the Sherman hardware store, and those are the, the two adjoining businesses. So if you uh, can find the market in Sherman, you can find the garden. Well, uh, I hope someday, and maybe even soon, actually, to get to see the garden in Sherman. And uh, But I'm so keen on knowing about the soil and I guess that's what everyone said. How come your plants? How come your plants are three times the size of my plants, or twice as large as my plants? Like I said, part of that was just the luck of finding this great site where the soil had already been amended, and and part of it was was adding more and continuing the process. And I also com I uh, mulch with compost every year, or maybe every other year. So I'm adding more as time goes on. About how much do you add it in inches? Well, just when I'm mulching, you know, not too much, two to three inches, mm -hmm. um, which which, com you know, compresses and breaks down pretty quickly because mulch really breaks down in about a season. I mean, compost, excuse me, yeah. breaks down in about a season. Well, it's, it's the secret maybe to almost all of our gardens, soil, 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 the condition of the soil. Now, all I need is a good source for aged horse manure. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, uh, that's another question I get a lot. Not everybody lives in an area where there are still horse farms. I'm lucky enough that there to still be horse farms in this area. And uh, a lot of them really just want to get rid of the aged horse manure. And uh, so it, that's another win-win situation. Um, but I know that not everybody has that available. I've noticed over the last few years that it is getting a little easier to find commercial sources of good quality compost. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why it's taken so long. I guess it's just not really still as economically feasible as, as people really need it to be, you know, to run a business making compost. But it is getting easier as people become more aware of the fact that that's just the best, one of the best things you can put on your garden, particularly a perennial garden, um, just because the soil gets disturbed a lot, you know, as you move things and divide things. Um, and you can't use just any kind of mulch on a, on a perennial garden for that reason. Compost makes it a really great mulch in addition to being a great soil amendment. Um, so often if you go to your town, 
they can be aware of places that are making compost because they may even funnel their grass clippings or and twigs and branches and things that they collect to some kind of a, a business nearby that uses them for compost production. And then cooperative extension services sometimes can turn you on to sources, commercial sources for compost. I've been adding some every year. I've actually been adding to the sandy soil compost for years and years. And just as people told me when I started, you won't believe it, it will disappear. And it, and it has. <laughs> but uh, I'll be <laughs> adding more. And I hope I do get to see the garden in Sherman and uh, keep in touch with you and see some more of the gardens that you're working on and hear more about them too. And I want to thank you so much for joining me today on Ken Drew's Real Dirt. And uh, we'll talk again. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to, listening to my interview with Amy Ziffer, garden designer from Connecticut, and learning about how to make your herbaceous perennials as good as they possibly can be, and that is to find some great soil amendments. And I'm going to start looking right away, and I hope that you can join me next week for another edition of Kendrew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. See you then.